are listening to Setting History Straight with Linda Watson on Hebrew Nation Radio. Okay, so today we're going to be discussing a uh, place of safety. Man, I've been wanting to talk about this for a long time. And the Father just has laid it on my heart to do this. And I know Adam feels the same way. I'm telling you, this is a pertinent subject for the time because this country doesn't have a lot of time left. And so we we need some answers. I think the Father is giving us all of it in Scripture so that we know what we need to do at this time. And so we're going to be covering what Scripture says and only what Scripture says. So let's get started here. Um, all right, first of all, y'all all know this verse, Revelations 12, where it talks about, and the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for times, times, half a time from the face of the servant. And you know, there's another verse that says, make sure your flight is not in the winter or on the Sabbath day. So there's a flight. There is a flight. And it's actually covered in Ezekiel chapter 11 and 12. We didn't get into those two chapters, but it actually talks about how we flee out of the land and the people in the land ask, where did they go and why are they going? Because that's that sign that's going to happen next next uh, April 8th, that eclipse that comes through after seven years. I think will stir the hearts of some of the people. I believe that you're going to see people look at that, see an X on that country, on this country, and know what that means. And so it's pretty obvious what that means. It has many meanings, right? Now, Ezekiel 34, verse 12, and the shepherd seeks out his flock in the day that, that he is among the sheep that are scattered. So will I seek out my sheep? And will deliver them out of all the places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. Anytime scripture talks about the cloudy and dark day, that is the tribulation. That is the end of the world time frame. So he says all the places, plural. So there's going to be many places that people get, that people are scattered to. And he says he'll pull them from everywhere that they're scattered. So it's going to be a little different probably than than what the original Exodus was because they had all one group of people in one place. And this is going to be a little bit, I believe, a little bit different. All right, so we asked the question, should we prepare? Because many, many people, Adam, you might want to jump in here. Many, many people, they they don't think they need to prepare. Now, I'm sitting here in New Orleans, and every year we have a hurricane just about. And we know that we have to prepare. I mean, we have to get water. We have to get extra food aside. We have to get batteries. We have to get all prepared for this hurricane. But somehow, when we read in scripture, and it tells us, you know, that there's a major event coming down for this nation, we don't think we need to prepare. And that's so hard for me to understand. When Joseph prepared, and he prepared for seven, six or seven years, putting wheat up, aside for the people. So there's scriptural verses that tell you to prepare. And some people say, well, you know, you know, if you, uh, you you shouldn't prepare for this, the father's going to take care of you. Well, yes, he will. But that doesn't mean you, you can't do some preparation. That's not what it means. Adam. Yes. Um, Let me speak to 
you know, you had mentioned Ezekiel, I think, 11 and 12 or something like that. But in 14, uh, I think it, it should point out here, talking about this day, uh, we had talked about it before, I think, Linda, a few different times, but it's worth mentioning it. And it says in uh, Ezekiel 14, verse 14, it says, Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. And that's an example here where you actually were talking about Noah. And the scripture actually appeals to Noah as one of those three. And uh, and so Noah, uh, Noah, Daniel, and Job all had different experiences. And I think what you and I are about to camp out on is what does it look like to be in the camp of, of Noah, to be the type that is Noah. Noah went into the ark and was was saved from the from the flood. <clears throat> Daniel, of course, went into captivity, but was pr- protected and used. And Job stayed in the land uh, where he was at, but he underwent severe uh, persecution and tribulation, but did himself survive it. So there's three very distinct outcomes uh, that we that the scripture gives us in the context of judgment, too, no less. Yes, and so now this ties back. I'm so glad you brought this up because this ties back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which are three men. They're playing the roles of of the same that same men we just mentioned here: Noah, Job, and Daniel. They're playing that role. They go into the furnace. The furnace represents the tribulation. They don't even get singed, and there's another person in there with them. How interesting is that, that there's another person in there with them? Okay, so, you know, so where is the wilderness and is it in the Middle East? And so that's some of the things we're going to touch on here, because believe me, it's not the typical answer that we normally get from the teachers, because I don't know if anybody's really teaching some of this stuff. I mean, they may be teaching bits and pieces of it, but, you know, hopefully at this point, we can pull some answers together. Now, this is one of my favorite verses. I'm going to explain that. Jeremiah 8, verse 19. Behold the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people. So there's a voice that goes out, cries for the daughter of my people. Daughter means descendants, and my people is Israel. Because of them that dwell in a what? Far country. Now, this is being written from a Jerusalem standpoint. Because Jeremiah's writing. So he's writing about something that goes on in a foreign country, how the daughters, the descendants go to a foreign country. And we're going to cover those verses very quickly. Why have you provoked me to anger with your graven images? So this is this is basically what it's saying here. That it says, is not the Lord in Zion? So who is Zion? What does the scripture say Zion is? So look at Jeremiah 30, verse 17, and you'll see in the middle of that scripture, because they call thee an outcast, saying this is Zion. The outcast, the people that were that came to this land in the beginning, and you know the history of this country, were outcasts from Europe. They were they were being persecuted for religious freedoms when they came to this land. Because they were outcast. And it's so easy to see this. And when you go back to Ezekiel 38, it says that it's the regathering of Israel. It talks about the re, because that's what has transpired in this country is a regathering. It brought in people from all the, all the nations 
that were Israelite nations to this land. So there's some from France and there's some from Belgium and there's some from Switzerland. So it gathered many of those people and the father brought them here. It's a regathering of the 12 tribes. And we're the only place that that has actually transpired. Okay, so interesting. Adam? Yes, let me let me add one, one little point to that. Uh, Jeremiah 13, it talks about how he's going to gather up uh, Israel like a girdle around his waist. And, uh, and I can't help but think of the Bible Belt. That's what we call the Bible Belt uh, in this country where, where the majority, and it doesn't mean that every single Israelite is there, but it certainly is, uh, it speaks to it. It just kind of confirms in a present day practical way. Uh, you know, the scriptures talk about, I'm going to gather them like a belt that goes around my waist, a linen girdle. And then, of course, you see that um, that kind of phrase that we use to describe the Christian uh, hot zone of America. It definitely does fit that. All right. So that's going on. All right. So now this is the scripture that I use all the time. That's from the New Testament talking about it's Matthew 21, verse 33. Here another parable, there is a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged around it and dug a wine press and built a tent, a, a tower and lent it out to a husbandman and went into a far country. So this householder is another name for a householder as a husbandman. They mentioned it here. I John 15, verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. But he leased it out. He took the land that he had and he leased it out. And then he went into a far country. Does everybody see that? And so he leased it out to the Pharisees is who he leased it out to. And that whole parable is about the Pharisees. And and it goes on. And at the end of it, it basically says, um, verse 38, but when the husband and saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him. And let us seize his inheritance. So that's basically what happened with the Messiah when he came is that, you know, you know about the crucifixion. So 43, therefore, I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation that bears fruit. That is Ephraim. Ephraim's name means fruitful, much fruit, actually double fruit is what it means. Mm -hmm. So. He's talking about giving it to somebody symbolically that is playing the role of Ephraim. If we go back to Genesis 48, it tells you that Ephraim is the nation with the, with the double blessing. It's, it, it gets the, the second portion. It gets a double blessing. So this is exactly what it's talking about here. Had, that the father himself moved to the far country. I know that's hard to believe because everybody in the whole nation has their mind set on this on this country in the Middle East, which was and is a promised land. Nobody's denying that the Middle East was and is still a promised land, but there's two. And the second one, you're, most of you are sitting in. You're sitting in the second promised land because there's never been a nation that was blessed like us. Never. And to deny that we are not a promised land is unbelievable. We are that we are a promised land. And we, and this is, as we get through the scriptures, you will see more and more of this. Adam. 
Yes, uh, Linda Ezekiel forty seven in. All right. Well, let me just read it. I'll just read it real quick because uh, I mean it's just a slam dunk on everything you just said. Um, and it, and it's referring to uh, the borders and divisions of the land, and it says it's uh, yeah, it, it fits perfectly with what you're saying here that there's two portions. Now I'm just going to read this. It's verbatim here, and uh, it's unambiguous here. So Ezekiel 47 verse 13 and 14 is what I'm about to read. It says, "Thus saith the Lord God, This shall be the border." whereby ye shall inherit the land according to the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph shall have two portions, and ye shall inherit it, one as well as another, concerning the which I lifted up mine hand to give it unto your fathers, and this land shall fall unto you for inheritance. He says unambiguously there that we would receive two portions, one and then another. And so in Ezekiel, uh, in Ezekiel 20, you see uh, the first half of, of Ezekiel 20 is talking about, uh, you know, Israel coming out of Egypt, being taken out into the wilderness of Egypt and how they were disobedient. And it's so important to read this. Go back and read this. OK, it very clearly says there that God withheld uh, the most glorious of all lands from Israel at that time. Because they did not repent and follow his his commandments. You didn't do what I commanded and you didn't keep my calendar. And and so he said, So then I I gave their children the opportunity and I brought them into it, but then they didn't obey me. And so then the only thing that he did, he said, the only thing I'm promising to the children is to scatter. And so it talks about this very clearly in Ezekiel 20. I, I never caught that before in uh, necessarily in the Torah. Uh, it may actually be there, you know, uh, subtly kind of reading between the lines, but it's very explicit in Ezekiel 20 there. I encourage all of you to go back and read it. Besides that, so besides that fact that he says, I didn't give them the land, the best land. Um, it then goes on to say that in the end, he would bring us into the wilderness of the peoples. Uh, and that's making a reference, I'm quite certain, of uh, America today, because it, it talks about how the peoples would flow to this place. And right. Linda, you, you may speak to that. I don't know. But, you know, yeah, it's, so, uh, yeah and we will probably we're going to cover another program on, on that particular whole section. But see, the t in today's society, the churches all teach one thing. They teach all of Israel is just scattered everywhere. And we don't know where they are. They're just mm -hmm. scattered all over the world. And there's no doubt that they've scattered all over the world. Nobody's denying that. But there was a concentrated place that scripture is talking about that Israel would be regathered to. And that has to be this nation because that's the only nation where everybody flowed, and that's what my what Adam's talking about is that verse in uh, Micah four, yes, and it talks about how they gathered themselves and they and they came to another place, and so you know that's in reference to that. But the the people in the country today do not understand that we are Israel. They believe they they honestly believe. That Israel's just been scattered all over the world. And the Hebrew Woods guys teach this too. And he did scatter everybody all over the world. There's no doubt about that. 
But that true scattering is going to come during this war. And that's what the, when you see the reference about the scattering, that has to do with, with this war that's coming. All right, so let's move on here. And I'm just going to hit this quick. This is the second Jerusalem talked about in scripture. Uh, Zechariah 2 verse 1, I lifted my eyes up and I looked and behold a man with a measuring stick. And I said, where goest thou? And he said unto me to measure Jerusalem, to see the breadth of it. That's the length of it. And what is the length thereof? Behold, the angel was talking to him. And he said unto him, run and speak to the man and say, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls and a multitude of men and cattle therein. Okay, so it's a place, Jerusalem, in, there's another Jerusalem talked about in scripture. That's what I want to tell you. There's a Jerusalem in the Middle East. We all know that. There's another Jerusalem that's being talked. This is the former and the latter. The second Jerusalem is this country, I believe, because it's the one that's inhabited with towns without walls. There's no towns with walls around them in this country. So this is how the fathers are helping to identify America. You can see here that this can't be talking about Jerusalem in the Middle East because she has a wall wall around her. You can see the wall right here. It can't be referencing her. It has to be referencing another place. So let's go on. And now we're going to talk about 2 Samuel 7, verse 10. And, you know. um, Oh, sure. Sure. Um, I'll try to not get on a tangent with this one because it's it's a pivotal scripture. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So uh, it says, moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them anymore as before time. And as since the time that I commanded the judges to be over my people Israel and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies. Also, the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. Now, I want to just camp out on a couple of few, uh, or just a couple of different phrases here. First of all, this is Samuel being spoken to by, you know, God is speaking through Samuel to David, King David. That's the, that's the audience. Okay. God speaking through Samuel to King David. And he's saying, I will appoint a place for my people, Israel. Well, the elephant in the room is that Israel was already established in the land. And not only that, they had a king. <laughs> so they had already been in the land for several hundred years. 400. Um, 400. They went through the time of the judges is what it says. And then they had themselves a king uh, uh, at that point in time. And so, and that's who he's speaking to is the king. So this right here is proof. Now, that doesn't prove exactly where the place is at, but it does prove that there's a second place that he's appointed. I mean, you have to arrive to that um, just by just by inference and common sense. Now, it says uh, he'll plant them. And I, I just want to make reference to Matthew 13. It says the kingdom of heaven uh, is like uh, the, the good men that went and sowed the good seed. And then the enemy came in later after the men slept and, and sowed his as well. So just making a reference to this plant thing, this, this, this idea of planting and sowing and reaping, <clears throat> this is this, this really actually corresponds well with what we see in this country today. In America, we see a division of people. And what it is, is it's the wheat and the tares because Messiah, uh, his efforts, his, his efforts, planting efforts, 
uh, happened through the early men that came into this country from the land of the north, from Europe. And we've been here. Now, I will say this. This hasn't happened yet, though, because we're not done with being afflicted with the children, you know, children of wickedness. We still have that. That's still a reality for us today. But it does say, so he's talking about what he's going to do after that, after uh, he gets done cleaning this place out, cleaning his house out, really is what it comes down to. His his temple, his sanctuary, he's going to establish uh, a forever kingdom. So and when it, it will, talks about house here, too, it's really important for us to know that it's a government and it's a people and it's a nation that he's talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is all... I'm 100% on board with this This reality is that it, this, this entire message is about that, in fact, a nation, a government, a people. Um, it's not just uh, a body that goes to church and has this kind of, it's not just uh, uh, an effort to describe a social fabric of society or a social you know, construct of society. It's talking about the whole thing, and it starts with the idea of a government. But what, the other thing I want to point out here is that he says, it's it's he's commanded as it was in the time of the judges to be over my people Israel. The uniqueness about judges, and then also you can see uh, a sec, a New Testament witness to this in the early um, the early church in the Book of Acts is they had a democratic republic, uh, something like it, in the time of the judges. You elected your judges at the gates. And you had, and they had a jurisdiction, and there were several different jurisdictions, and there were judges and leaders in each of those. And you see the same thing happening in the New Testament uh, with the early church. What they would do is that they would they would go and say, "We have an issue that needs someone needs to take responsibility for." And I think they did this with Stephen and and several others. I can't remember how many other men they did this with, but they assigned them a certain responsibility over that church. And, and it said that the people, they voted on who they wanted in that place. And so you literally see a democratic republic where you see a, a democratic process to identify the representative for the people of the church. And that's exactly what this is describing, too. Go back and look. Before, before the king came around, there was no king. And God was content with it how it was prior to having King David as king. So, so all right. So you've added, yep, yep, you've added, yep. And what? When thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, set up thy seed after thee, shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. Now, this is definitely talking about Messiah, but I can tell you, as you read on and you read uh, more scriptures in this same area, it's also talking about an actual lineage of kings in the future. <clears throat> he shall establish a house. For my name and establish a throne, throne forever. That throne yes. that he's referencing here is the throne that's in England. That's the throne that he's referencing. And going on, it goes all the way down to 16. Can you read those? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I will be his father and he shall be my son. Now look, so this is why I said it's not just talking about Messiah. Because look, it says, if he commit iniquity. I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. And I'm saying 
what 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 Linda and I are understanding at this point, what we're seeing in the scriptures jumping out is there is a judgment coming to this nation, but you got to understand the big picture and the and what comes next after that and why God's doing it. He's getting ready to set up his eternal kingdom. That's what's about to happen. And and he's planted. He's planted in this country, and we've all grown up together, wheat and tares. And he's getting ready to get bundle up and get rid of the tares. And so the wheat goes into his barn, right? They go into the house. They get invited in. And that's what he's getting ready to do is set up this eternal kingdom. And he's going to have a people that is is going to establish and, and build this the early parts of this house, the spiritual aspect of it. Interesting is that the Babylon is told that it's destroyed and taken down. But this nation that is Israel is inside of Babylon, we're told. So Babylon gets destroyed and taken down. There's a tenth of the people that we're not going to cover that today, but there's a tenth of the people that remain. This nation never comes down. Mm -hmm. She never comes down. She's going to have people in it, and those people are going to be responsible. They're called the Holy Seat in Isaiah chapter 6. They're called the stump that gets cut down because Babylon was a tree that gets cut down. So that's what this is referencing. This kingdom never comes down. There's going to be a, a establishment of God's government here after this Babylon system falls, and it's a government yes. system. Linda, let me just speak to one more thing on that because it, it fits with what you were talking about a few uh, slides ago. Is that you got to understand? So, Messiah himself sets up this for as a possibility by one saying in Matthew thirteen that the kingdom of heaven will be filled with both wheat and tares, and then also he says uh, they asked him when should the kingdom come, and he says you know you're not going to look here or look there and observe it physically here or there. He says the kingdom of God is within you, and so he's really. He's really helping us understand Jerusalem and Babylon, they reside in the same place, but they're belief systems, to your point. And and you're either in the in the wheat or you're in the tares. And he's going to bundle up and get rid of the tares. That's that's the idea of the fall of Babylon, is it says that no one will ever dwell there anymore. It's I'm telling you, that's talking about the way that we live life today in this country, the way the, the things that we believe as a nation, as a whole. Um, you know, the idolatry, the sin, all that, it's going away and, and it's never coming back. He's going to establish with, with people that have gone through the trials and have become a base people, a very mm -hmm. lowly and humble people. That's how he's yep. going to establish it. It's not going to be done with the great men of the earth. All right, here we go. So here we go. Look at this verse. I never really noticed this verse before. Luke 19, verse 12. And he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive himself a kingdom and to return. How interesting is that? So he's going to go into a foreign country, which I make the point and Adam that that foreign country is America because it's the only country that actually would make sense because the majority of the believers in the world are here, her population. They still believe in the Messiah. They backslid really bad. And so that's what the punishment is coming for. But they Many of them will repent and turn it around. We'll cover that at some other point. It's really interesting. The word America written in Hebrew, which I think is so interesting because it's really telling you it's the covenant land of America. She's a covenant land. So the father even wrote it in her name. By the way, the first map that Ptolemy gave in the first century had America written on it. It actually covered, quote, most of South America. 
and America itself was called Florida, which is interesting because it means to bloom. Now, I want to get here because Jeremiah 6, verse 1, oh, you children of Benjamin. Benjamin are the people in this nation that are not going to submit to this government. That's who they are. They didn't submit to the government of Israel before. Benjamin never submitted. She never did submit. Even when she was challenged by Rome in history, she didn't submit to them either. She was the only nation in Europe, the Scandinavian countries, that didn't go under the Roman Empire. That tells you. And if you just notice what happened with the vaccine, she didn't submit to that either. So going on, gather yourselves to flee out of the midst of Jerusalem and blow the trumpet and set a sign up for evil appears out of the north with great destruction. So let's go on here. And this shows what it's talking about here. What happens is the, the, the actual invasion of the armies, the evil that appears out of the north, it comes out of the north. Dan, it's going to come through where you are. And it's going to come in. This is the only logical place. Now, Sarah sent me a video this week, and she said that all the, the major silos for the missiles in this country are in this area. They're in this area of the Great Plains. And it's the only logical place if you were going to attack that you would come into because you got the Great Plains, on, you know, you got the mountains on one side, which are on the west side, the Rockies. Then you got the Appalachian Mountains on the east side. So it, it wouldn't, if an, an army was going to attack, they would not want to come through the mountains. They would want to come into the plain area uh, here, if you can see. They would want to come into the plain area. And I look at this. This word here, this is the Hebrew word, H7130. It, it actually means here to the center. So it's the mist of the land, mist of Jerusalem. The mist means the center. So gather yourselves and flee out of the center of Jerusalem. Okay, that's the second Jerusalem. So flee out of this part of the land. Flee out of it. Why is he telling you flee out of this part of the land? Because that's where the troops are coming in. That's what he's telling you. This is how much detail he's giving to you on this information. Adam. <laughs> uh, hey, for people that want to know just how soon <laughs> this is around the corner, you want to know what those Chinese spy balloons were about. This is it. Okay. They were, they, they're studying us. They're studying us. And I'll, I'll also add this. There's rumor that the Chinese military, and I would assume the Russian one too as well, is in Canada right now. In Canada. Now, I, I, I will say this. Go verify that for yourself. But I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, there was a hearing in Congress several months ago, probably towards the beginning of the year maybe, about why was China and Russia in the Arctic. And they were cutting through the ice is how they, they were explaining it. They had several ice cutters. Um, you know, these special ships designed to do that kind of thing. And, um, and, the, and there, was a, there was a whole hearing in Congress about why are they up there, you know? And these men have no idea. Our leaders have no idea what's about to come down. But these folks are coming. They're coming. Think about it. They're up there in the Arctic. Now we're hearing about them in Canada. There's rumors that they're in Canada. And by the way, we don't have it on here, but the scripture actually says that that's how you're going to discover this fact anyways, is that it's going to be a rumor. You'll hear a rumor one year, and then you'll hear a rumor the next, and then they come. They are scoping this out. No doubt. So, all right, so let's go over, and if, if you talk about this as the center of the land, 
Now, the best I can describe this, the center of the land, you can. it looks like it's in Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. That is the center of the land. So let's go on and see what he says about the mist of the land, because we've missed this in scripture. We've missed this. We didn't see this thing. And so it's telling you something interesting. So let's go ahead, go a little further. Go ahead and talk about this, Adam. This is your slide. Oh, yeah, sure. And so um, just another witness to this idea of, well, where is it that uh, these armies come out of? So it says here, Revelation 20, verse 9, says they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Now, this is making a reference to the second time. I want to point out something here is that they, there is a there is a lot of scripture that suggests that America will be invaded twice. We're referring to the first one here. Uh, I just wanted to point out that look where they come from or, or they go to the breadth of the earth. Well, look, that it means a spread out flat place. That's what the breadth means. And in fact, other versions, I'm using uh, King James here. I think ESV and some of the other modern texts, they actually just say the plains, the broad plains of the earth. That's actually how they translate it. They understood uh, that's describing a plain. And so isn't it interesting that right there in the center of the country, we have this strip that we call the Great Plains. So um, that was really the, the gist of it there is just to just to show yet another scripture that says when they do come in, they come in. Of course, into a flat area, and there's really I mean, that really kind of narrows it down for us, doesn't it? They're yes. coming out of the north and it's a flat area that they're in when they come in. So, uh, you know, there's really nowhere else to, to look on, on the map in terms of America. Let's yeah. come here. All right. So now let's get this. This is so interesting. Because the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant has two cherubim on both sides, a fortress or a protection. They act as a fortress and protection. In this country, the the western mountains, the Rockies, and the eastern mountains act as a fortress and a protection. You don't believe that? You you ought to see what these people did when they first came into this country and they wanted to go west. They found out real quick what the fortress was. And so sitting right in the middle of this land is a, a... a state called Arkansas, and there's all kinds of uh, legends about that the possible Ark came here. We don't know that. So, I mean, it's just legends. But this is what it does say, Exodus 25, verse 22. And it says, therefore, I will meet. He was talking to Israel at this point when they were in the wilderness with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat between the two cherubim, which are upon the Ark of the of the testimony. Now, I'm not necessarily saying Arkansas is is the um, mercy seat, but it's very interesting that it has a similar uh, a similar topography. So mm-hmm. he says he meets you at the Ark of the testimony. That's what he says, uh, and he sits on the mercy seat. So he and I'm going to go into more scripture here. I want to show you here where he actually sits in this land, because there's verses that tell you. Isaiah 24, verse 13, when thus it shall be in the mist, remember the mist means center of the land among the people, there shall be a shaking of the olive tree and gleaming of the grapes of the vineyards is done, or the vintage is done. So that is that is persecution. That is uh, the things we're going through as a people. Uh, as on a personal level, we're being we are act, acting as olive trees and and grapes being uh, being smashed. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean that's that's really what we're doing. And it says 
Therefore, there should be in the midst of the land of the people a shaking. That is a spiritual shaking he's talking mm-hmm. about for this whole nation. Now, I'm going to get into, I want to read these verses, and then we'll talk at them. So Genesis 3, verse 3, for the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden. Notice where the garden, the midst of the garden, the father said, he shall not eat, neither shall they touch it, or you shall die. So the tree of life was in the midst or the center of the garden. Now, going on. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel 38 verse 12 take a squall take a prey turn your hand to the desolate places that are now inhabited and to the people that are gathered out of the nations see we are the only country that can be called the gathered out of the nations which have gotten cattle and goods and dwell in the midst center of the land okay going on and it, in that day shall there be an altar of the Lord in the midst of Egypt and a pillar at the a boundary thereof. See, all these verses have had one interpretation only throughout time, but we now see that they play a second role at this end time. Now, Numbers 35 there 34, you shall not defile the land which you shall live, and in the midst of it of which I dwell, for I, the Lord, am dwelling in the midst of the sons of Israel. Now, I'm going to offend some people here, but I will tell you, the majority of the of Israel is here in this nation. We have the largest gathering of Israel. The people in the Middle East are, some of them are Israel. But I will tell you this, it's not a large gathering and they don't believe in the Messiah. So this is where he would gather. He says he will gather with the sons of Israel. So that makes sense that he would be in our land. We are the largest group of, of Christian nation, Christian nation in the world. And now here it says, I will dwell among the sons of Israel forever. That's Ezekiel 43. I'm just going to pick out some of these. And the king of Israel, even the Lord is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil anymore. He is in the center of your land. That's what that word miss means. <laughs> he is in the center of your land. Now, O daughter of Zion, Zechariah 2, verse 10. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come and I dwell in the midst of the land. So daughter of Zion is a descendant of Israel. So he said, descendant of Israel, I will come and I will dwell in the midst of thee. So why is it so hard for us to believe that the father actually dwells here in this country? Now, you know, he's living in heaven. He's not living on a mountaintop somewhere, but he's dwelling over top of this country in the center of it is what he's trying to tell you. And it's everywhere that you read verses. Here's Zechariah 2 verse 11. And I will dwell in the midst of thee again, he says. I'm just hitting the high points on these. Let me move this one. Thus said, Lord, I will return unto Zion and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And so in Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth and the mountain of, and that's a government of God's host of the holy mountain. So one more, and I will bring again, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall say, shall be my people, and I will be their God. And so you see that how many times he talks about how he dwells in the midst of Jerusalem, and he dwells in the midst of the land of it, and that he stays with the sons of Israel. And so it's hard for me to fathom how he could be staying in Jerusalem in the Middle East 
when the majority of the people there don't even believe in the Messiah. Do you, do you, are you following me? And so our pastors haven't taught this because they, they just have never seen it. But I'm telling you, he lives in our land. And when you go back to that verse that I read earlier, Ezekiel, I mean, Jeremiah 8, verse 19, he says that, you know, that he says, I actually live in the land. I, sure. Uh, just to just to give people a little bit of, if it sounds crazy, and maybe it does sound crazy to you, it certainly is going to sound crazy to somebody that hears this on the internet, right? So yes. understand like this, though, when you go back and you look at the instruction of God to Moses about constructing the ark, the ark of the covenant, okay? Uh, and and everything that he tells them, he says in there, it's, it's very explicit. I don't remember which verse it is, but I think most of us are familiar with this concept that it is an exact copy of what is in heaven. All right. So that that arc, the, the, the schematics and how what he's building, what he's constructing is is a replica, is a an earthly uh, you know, version of the, the what is going on in heaven. It manifests itself here on earth, too. And that's what we're trying to say is that that throne room has um, has a definitive place spiritually here on earth. And it's in the midst of this land. So I'm going back to this verse, Jeremiah 8, verse 19. That's why I scrolled back here. I'm going to read it again. Behold the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people, because of them that dwell in a far country is not Yahweh in Zion, is not her king in her. He is in the far country. He lives in the midst of the land. And so that's what, this is the point that we're trying to bring home here, that he's living in the midst of this country not somewhere else, because we are the regathered Israel. That's the whole point. We're the only nation that fits that scenario. We gathered every every place from Europe, Scandinavia, all of these places is where we've gathered people from. So let's get back to where we were. Now we're going to start talking about um, about right. the place to say. Hey, Linda, I have a comment. Sure. Um, Remember what uh, we were just reading in 5149, and it talks about uh, the sword. And remember, we've talked about this before, that that word sword um, can mean drought. Yes. And we're seeing that going on, too. Yeah, we're definitely seeing that. We never had weather like this in the South. Not this extreme. Never. And I think we talked about this this week, Sarah. I think it's it's the famine that's coming, that the drought that's coming on us now. So let's talk about this place of safety. And so what does scripture say about the place of safety? Luke 21, verse 20. And when you see Jerusalem encompassed with armies, then you know that their desolation is nigh. And let them that are in Judea flee to the mountains. Okay, now, even if you don't believe that we play the second Jerusalem, here is an example of what he tells you to do when war storms. He says, flee to the mountains. Does everybody see that? It said Judea. Judea usually is the conservative people. That's who they are. So, and let them which are in the midst, uh, uh, they're in the midst of it, depart out. See, he's telling you, those that are in the midst of it, in the center of it, depart out, because that's where the army's coming in. And let them, let not them that are in the countries enter therein. So don't let anybody else come in while this thing is going on. So he's telling you, Flee to the mountains. And this is not the only place that he says this. Let's go through some of the others. Ezekiel chapter 7, verse 15. 
the sword is without and the pestilence and the famine. I'm just setting the time frame here within. And he that is in the field shall die with the sword and he that is in the city, he will die with famine and pestilence and shall be devoured. Now, verse 16 is the one I want to get to. But they that escape of them shall escape and shall be on the mountain like doves of the valley, all of them moaning, everyone for his iniquity. So he is saying that when this war breaks out, when it talks about the sword, the pestilence, and the famine, he's saying that we will be on them that escape of them shall escape, and they shall be on the mountains like doves. So there's your second witness that you you go to the mountains for protection. The mm-hmm. second witness that you go to the mountains for protection. And so mm-hmm. here's Jeremiah 6, verse 2. And I've likened the daughter of Zion to a comely and delicate woman. And the shepherds, that's the pastors, and their flocks shall come unto her and shall pitch their tents against and around about, and they shall feed everyone in his place. So the churches might go together as a church group and they all go to a place and they, they're protected and they're fed. And so that's what, so, and I think there's another verse. See, notice this, they pitch their tents because it's a temporary dwelling, right? So they pinch their tents. So he gets very specific about it here. He tells you to pitch a tent. He's telling you that you're going to go with your pastors or your leaders or whoever. And then he's telling you that you're going to go to the mountains. Now, I mean, that's real specific here that the scripture is telling you, and he's not telling you to go to a specific mountain, but some people might want to, to go to that center area of the country, but he's not telling you specifically. Okay. Yeah. So now, Adam, you want to explain this, uh, Jeremiah 51, 50. Yeah, right. And so this is talking about the fall of Babylon and, and we, America, okay. That's talking about what's coming to us. Just that's the context here that said, you know, don't stand still. You've got to move. So there's going to be, to your point, the very beginning of this, you said there's going to be a flight. <laughs> and here's another, here's another witness to it. Now, it says, though, remember the Lord afar off. Let Jerusalem come into your mind. I think this is actually giving us instruction to go to the scriptures you just covered from Messiah saying to flee to the mountains. It says, remember the Lord afar off. And that is Messiah. Okay, uh, right? I mean, are we all on the same page there? Our Lord is Messiah, who now sits on the throne in heaven, right? And it says, as all this is happening, let Jerusalem come into your mind. Well, I'll tell you what, I literally followed these instructions. And I said, okay, I thought of Messiah and I thought of Jerusalem. And immediately I thought after that was, oh, he says, whenever we're surrounded by armies, that those who are in Judea need to flee to the mountains. And so you start to realize that the scripture here is actually trying to walk you through how to find the instruction when this event goes down. And it's only the father that can save you. You can't save your own skin. And we're not teaching that you're going to save your own skin. This is instruction from the father. And we're going to get through the verses now that says you don't just sit on your duffs and do nothing. Should we prepare or do we just sit back with our hands folded? Because the father is going to have to be the one that protects you. We're not even we're not even entering into that discussion because that is a known fact. He is the one that it doesn't matter where you go, because if if he wants you punished, he's going to find you and punish you. And that is that's easily found. So now let's look at Zechariah 2. And he said unto them, 
run and speak to the young man saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls for the multitude of men and cattle. So if you go through Europe and you go through England, you go through all these other countries that are Christian countries, you will find that all of them have at least one town with a wall. But we're the only land, us in Australia, because Australia is like the flip of America in the Western, in the Western hemisphere. So she's like the flip. And so interesting, it's telling you that they have a multitude, a large amount of people and a large amount of cattle and no walls around their city. Let's go on because it says, ho, ho, come forth and flee from the land of the north, which is the army, said the Lord, for I've spread you abroad. That means we are abroad. Abroad means to cross across the ocean. So I spread you abroad the four wings of heaven, said the Lord. I mean, he's spelling it out here. In case you can't figure it out, it can't be Jerusalem in the Middle East because she's not abroad. We are abroad. We're abroad from Jerusalem in the Middle East. But notice verse 7. Deliver thyself, O Zion. Don't sit with your hands folded, waiting for him to do everything for you. That dwell with the daughter of Babylon. They're in the daughter of Babylon. That's what it's really saying. They're in the government of Babylon in this nation. That's And it says, Deliver yourself. Get up. When you see the armies coming, don't just sit there.